Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. CLNSradio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. Legends are made in the NFL. And the quest for the Lombardi Trophy continues. Brady moving and looking and has time and then throws and that is caught for a touchdown. Intercepted by Wilford. Ben Wilford with a game changer. You're listening to Patriots Beat. Tumic, second down and six. Brady, quick throw and complete. first down. Right here on CLNSRadio.com. What's going on, Patriots fans? Welcome to CLNS Radio's Patriots Beat. Call in number 347-215-7771. My name is Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. You can follow me there. Of course, you can follow the show at, at Patriots Beat. And, of course, follow CLNS Radio at CLNS Radio. And, of course, CLNSRadio.com. We have a full show for you today. Uh, We'll both show for you today. Christian Arcan from uh, ESPN Boston will be joining us shortly, along with play-by-play announcer for the New England Patriots and Bob Soshi. Before we get into that, we have a lot of things to talk about because Vince Wilfork has re-signed. They've lost LeGarrette Blunt, and it's just been one of those just crazy weeks. Two weeks ago, we thought that Vince Wilfork was done, and he was gone. He ripped his nameplate off the off the side of his locker. And next thing you know, two weeks later, he signs a three-year pack worth $22.5 million. And before I get my co-host, Bob, stoned on the phone, here we go here. It's a special time. Good old Bob. Yesterday was his birthday. And of course, tomorrow's my birthday. So it is a birthday show here on Sealness Radio's Patriot Beat. And we're very, very excited. So, Bob, this one here goes out to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you didn't play When I'm 64 by the Beatles, which uh, actually would have undershot a little bit. (laughs) I I thank you. I appreciate that. That's for both of us. That is for both of us, as today's Patriots beat beat is sandwiched by your birthday and my birthday. Yours, of course, yesterday, mine tomorrow, two Aries talking football, but we're not talking the Rams. We're talking the Patriots. You know, and we mentioned this, I think, last week or something. I keep thinking it's off-season, so this week is not really going to have much to talk about, and we're really going to have to struggle. And then all of a sudden, three, four, five things happen during the course of the week that automatically just bring us out of the woodwork, and it's like, oh, man, that's cool. We can talk about that. I, I, it, was a little mi- it was about midweek before things really started to happen this past week. But then, you know, it hit the fans. 
and it, uh, there's lots of good stuff to talk about. Yes, yes, there is definitely lots of good stuff to talk about. As I mentioned, the big man, Vince Wilfork, he's back. I think it's great. Um, you know, they, there's been reports out there that he could have got more on the open market. I, I really don't see how a 32-year-old man coming off of uh, Achilles surgery could get more on the market than what he did. Three yeah, years, no, I, two and a half, you know? I, I, You and I said this, you know, many times over the course of the last month that we really felt his market value was next to nothing. I can't imagine any other team that would have paid him what the Patriots ended up paying him with coming off of the injury with his weight, and supposedly he's up to 350 pounds. I'm, you know, he, he was big to begin with. I'm not sure what his playing weight is, but I don't think it was 350. And who was going to take a chance without an awful lot of conditions put into the contract? Now, He's got a lot of conditions built into this contract, from what I understand. And, you know, it grows as he is on the roster for a game day. And we talked a little bit about that new scenario the Patriots are using and how many games he plays and, and all of that. So there are some trigger factors. But his guarantee money was still enough that I don't think anyone would have matched even the guarantee money. Oh, I agree with you there. I don't think they would have matched the guarantee money. And it's great because... As I said, I think it was a couple of shows ago when Julian Edelman resigned, that he was more valuable to the Patriots than he was to any other team because of what he brings to the Patriots, his unique skill set. And I think Vince Wilfork is the same thing. I mean, he came out of uh, Miami as a true nose tackle. And over the years, they've they've moved him a little bit all around the place. They've, they've used him at defensive tackle. They used him at nose tackle. They've had him out uh, playing uh, defensive end in the 4-3. So... It's very exciting to see him coming back. I hope I hope he's 85% of the player that he was, because if he was, the Patriots are still getting a very good player. It remains to be seen what's going to happen you know, with the injury, whether he will come back and be as, as good as he can. Although his second and third year of that contract, they're very much voidable. So the Patriots have yeah. pretty much kept themselves in a, in a situation where it's not a lot of risk. Yeah, they have options, but they don't have to pick up the options. And, you know, I I just don't see Will Fork going anywhere else for the rest of his career. I really don't. If If he plays this year and has problems because of the injuries, he's done. If he plays this year and lives up to what he has done in the past, they'll pick up the option. It's as simple as that. Play, play enough games, play as good as... Your history, I mean, you don't have to be 100% of what you were five years ago, but be that body in the middle that, that forces the pressure up the middle, and you'll get the option to be picked up. If he doesn't do any of those things and they don't pick up his option, no one's going to want him anyway. No, you're right. No one will want him. Yeah, and that I, brings like, us to our... I like Vince. I think he is a great teammate. I think he is a, a, the person you want in your clubhouse when you've got a young team. I think, you know, all the things are there, but bottom line, you're being paid to play football. Someone wrote an article this week, Jeff, and, and it came up on Twitter, and they were talking about how complicated his contract is, and evidently it is pretty complex in the way it's put down. But again, then, then they kind of walked it through if he does this, if he does this, if he does this. To me, it wasn't complicated at all. It broke down to the three things I just said, play, 
play enough games, don't get hurt, and you'll continue to be a patriot. If you don't do those things, then you're not, and no one else is going to want you anyway. And that sounds kind of brutal, but that's what the business of football is. So I hope he plays up to, you know, what we all are looking for. But I don't know, because at the beginning of last year, he wasn't the same Vince even before the injury. And, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on the show on Vince, uh, because I do like him, and I'm, I'm hoping all the positives occur. Uh, and he'll be, he will be the person that can stop that running game that you're going to talk about, I'm certain, on and on and on in, in you know, infinity. But, but besides that, we'll, we'll go on to other things. What did you think, speaking of the running game, one of the things I was going to bring up real quickly, with the signings the other teams in the AF East, AFC East, are doing, are they catching up to the Patriots, do you think? I mean, you've got Marino signing in, in Miami, uh, which gives them the running game. They've also had some other pretty good signings. You've got Vic now in New York, and he's got a wide receiver he can throw the ball to in Decker. So are those teams, do you think they're catching up or have caught up to the Patriots? No, n- not even close. Uh, and and it, it means nothing, you know, no disrespect to either the Miami Dolphins or or the uh, New York Jets. First of all, I, I'm not sold on Michael Vick as a quarterback. Uh, he came back and had one solid year with Philadelphia. Uh, he's the type of guy who cannot stay on the field. He lost his job last year to Nick Foles. The only reason he got on the field back in 2011 was because of Kevin Cobb getting hurt. And it was the only year he actually decided to try to be a uh, an actual quarterback instead of a running quarterback. If he sat back and threw the ball, you know, I, I would think there was something good there. I don't feel that Eric Decker, yeah, he's a big six foot uh, two, you know, two hundred and ten pound wide receiver, but he's the biggest pansy I've ever seen at that size. He does not. If you go back and look at that, look at the uh, tape of him against in the Super Bowl and a lot of other things, he's not a very strong wide receiver. He does get open, he does play well, but he's got Michael Vick or uh, the other rookie quarterback there. I can't think of his name right now, Geno Smith. Uh, throwing the ball to him. Neither one of those guys scare me. As far as Miami goes, now, Noshaw Marino last year had a very nice season with the with the Denver Broncos. Uh, he was a, a, a factor in their in their running game and an even bigger factor in their passing game. He's uh, he's a good running back. I don't think he's ever lived up to uh, his first round draft status. Would I have liked the Patriots to sign him? Yeah, I, I had said that I wanted the Patriots to sign him. But um, you know, of course, he went to uh, he went to the um, Miami Dolphins, and he had a good season last year. It was his first season ever, though, going over a thousand yards, and and you know he had a thousand thirty eight. So I mean, he, we're talking a, a guy that ran for just over sixty two yards per game. I uh, did have ten touchdowns, and so that's a that's a good thing. It's the first time he's he's remained healthy, and I like No. Sean Moreno. I think it, it's a step in the right direction. Of course, we all know I like the running game. Uh, but it also, you know, it, it's the coach and oh. it's, <laughs> it's wait, wait. the coach. Did you say you like the running game? Just a little, just a little. I have a man crush on them. I have a man crush on the running game. Bulletin, breaking news: Jeff likes the running game. <laughs> <laughs> on on Marino, though, are you, one of the reasons I really kind of thought the pass would go after him, and he didn't go for big bucks. I don't have his contract in front of me, but it, it was like a, a million or two million a year or something. And, you know, it was not one of those huge contracts that the Pats couldn't have found a way to get. 
but Belichick likes to go after players that play well against the team, just as yes, he did with Al. I mean, it, it's the, the and Marino had that one game against the Patriots where literally, if he hadn't got hurt late in the game, uh, Pat's probably wouldn't have won that game. In all honesty, he he was just ran circles around our defense, and no one could tackle him, and he looked like the next coming of Jim Brown. Uh, so I, I, you know, Belichick. If you look through history, he kind of looks at players that play well against you or him, and likes to go after that players. He did it with Welker. He's, you know, he's done it through history, and and signed people to the team that he was impressed with when they played the Patriots. It didn't matter what their overall statistics were. So based on that, I kind of thought he'd go after Marino. But then again, I thought they'd keep Blount, and it didn't happen. Blount to. You know, going to Pittsburgh and didn't go for huge dollars. So, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, it, yeah, obviously the Pats really don't worry about their running game right now. Uh, you know, we'll see. No, how and they got happens. players. They got players on the roster in Shane Vereen and, and, and Stephen Ridley that can that can definitely produce. And even to a lighter side, the the man that I don't like is Brandon Bolden. You know, it's funny though. You bring up. Uh, players that have done well against the New England Patriots, and Noshaw Moreno, of course, did excellent against the uh, New England Patriots last year. You know, he, he ran for 224 yards on 37 carries, <clears throat> so that skews his overall um, numbers. I mean, he almost ran for a quarter of his yards in the season against the Patriots. That was the only game all season long that he went over 100 yards. The next closest was 93, and he did that twice. Uh, against the um, New York Giants and Dallas Cowboys, respectively. So he's, uh, you know, he, he's never been a great running back. I was surprised that they let Garrett Blount go, especially for what he signed. I mean, he signed virtually the same contract that um, that Danny Woodhead signed last year, and I'm surprised the Patriots didn't go out, especially with what he meant to the team at the end of the season last year. Why they didn't just, all right, let's sign this guy. Um, he fits the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense to a T. If the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to go back to what they could do when they had a Jerome Bettis. Now, I know they don't have Bruce Arians anymore as their offensive coordinator, but if they went back to what they did with uh, Jerome Bettis, LeGarrette Blount's a perfect, perfect running back for that team. Uh, so, well, you, know, I, you know, I was – go ahead. Jeff, I, I was going to say, it's kind of funny, though, because when he came to the Patriots originally – People were saying, despite his size, despite the bulk, he is not an inside running back. He's not the guy to get you two yards when you need the two yards. Now, you know, he just proved that, I felt, with the Patriots a pretty good bit. But that was his reputation coming out, is he is not that big, bull running back. Now, he had those two great games, again, the last two games of the season, that, that really skewed his numbers, kind of like you were talking about Marino. His numbers were skewed because of that. But prior to that, he was okay. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't great. Those two games are the games that everybody remembers. I mean, he had, what was it, 196 yards, I think it was, in, in the Buffalo game, if I remember right, and, and then turned around and did the same thing, uh, less yardage, but still as dominating in the play, in the first round of the playoffs. So those two games kind of jump out at us, everybody. But they, again, were against teams that had extremely weak running offenses. Uh, or running defenses, rather. So it's hard to tell how impactful he would be over the course of the whole year. But like you, I wanted him. I thought he was the perfect complement to the, the running team they have. And, 
you know, again, obviously, you know, with Bill Belichick, he's got a plan. You, we, you don't know it. I don't know it. He's got a plan. And whether it's drafting someone, because running backs don't usually go real high. You can usually get them cheap in the draft. Uh, you know, whether he's got his eye on someone there or something else is going to occur between now and when the season gets underway, uh, kind of like it did with Blunt, who knows. But I, I was a little disappointed, despite the fact that the game is made up for passing, not for running. <laughs> I was a little upset to see uh, to see the Garrett Blunt go. And now I'm convinced that the New England Patriots – Will turn around and and draft a running back uh, earlier in the uh, earlier in the off season. I didn't think they would. I thought that they would sign Legarrette Blount to a two or three year deal. But now with both Shane Vereen and Stephen Ridley entering the final year of their contract, I can see them definitely stepping up and grabbing a uh, and, and grabbing a running back. Because let's face it, there's not much left on the uh, on the free agent market. The big names have signed. The Ben Tates have signed. The Darren McFadden has signed. Maurice Jones Drew just signed with Oakland. You know, as we mentioned, uh, Noshaw Moreno, of course, signing with the Miami Dolphins. Um, so there's really no one left out there. But um, you know, we'll see what well, happens. Running, back, running backs are a dime a dozen. I, I hate to say that because I know it's going to get you upset. <laughs> but in, in reality, though, think about it. All those running backs that signed, none of them got big bucks. There wasn't a running back that got a really large contract. And general opinion is. You don't waste the number one draft pick on a running back unless he's someone that just is so explosive that you can't pass him up. But even a lot of those that did go in the first round weren't successful or took them a while before they became successful. And running back, the shelf life of a running back is relatively short because they get beat up so much. So, you know, in the draft, I, and I have not studied the running backs in the draft. You probably have much more than me. But I'm certain there's probably some pretty good running backs out there that will be available. Uh, no one's mentioning uh, Devlin either. And, and is he not still on the path roster, or is he gone? Because he was the fullback, if you remember. The blocking yeah, he's still back on the Patriots roster. So, yeah, you know, no one, no one even mentions his name when they talk about running back, and technically he's a running back. I, I realize he didn't run the ball much. But well, anyway, I, I think they'll be fine uh, with, like you said, the group they have drafting someone. Because, like you, I don't see anyone in free agency that really excites me. And some of the names you mentioned, I wouldn't have wanted. In the yeah, first exactly. Place. Well, Bob, joining us on the line is Christian Arcan. Of course, Christian is from ESPN New Hampshire. I see him on the, on, on the 1250 AM dial. He's a host of the Christian and King show. Uh, 3 to 6 p.m., I believe it is. So we'll bring him on right now. Christian, how are you today? Doing fine, Bob and uh, Jeff. Well, we seem to have a bad signal on the cell phone, uh, Christian. I don't know if you can hear us, but uh, we're going to put you on hold and let Bob speak for a second. Let me see if I can get you back. All right. Well, and one of the other things that happened while you try and get Christian that has a lot of people wondering good move, bad move, is the signing of Ryan Wendell and the and the implications of signing Ryan Wendell. First of all, he got more money than I'll, I'll admit I thought he would. And when they had done the rankings prior to uh, to free agency, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure how they rank it other than if a guy got by you and pressured the quarterback, that took away from your score. But he was the lowest rated 
center in the NFL last year. And yes, well, don't get me started on him. But <laughs> overall, I just, uh, you know, I don't understand why they would have invested. And, again, it's one of those contracts that they can get out of. I think it was a two-year deal, but they can get out of the second year. But I thought they spent a little too much money on, on Wendell and could have done better than him. Well, joining us on the line now is Christian Arcan of ESPN New Hampshire. So, Christian, how are you doing today? Good. Can you hear me okay this time? We can hear you loud and clear, sir, with the uh, the wonders of modern technology. Isn't it great? <laughs> Indeed it is, Jeff, uh, Bob. Uh, nice, to, nice to be on with you guys. Well, good well, to have you. You know, you have, obviously you both have smartphones uh, where I sit here living in old-time technology, but the, the smartphone was the technology that got you working okay. Is that, Jeff, did, did, did you use your smartphone to be smart? Yeah, and I also drink smart water. I found it this weekend when I was down at uh, Boston Blog of Loser. <laughs> Christian, what do you think of the uh, the renegotiation or extension that uh, Vince Wilfork signed uh, this week? Well, to be honest with you guys, I think it like was really obvious. Like, I, you know, like it was as this whole Wilfork thing kind of played out. I guess I could sort of understand what he was frustrated about. I mean, he did fight for that extra money when his in his last contract, you remember that when he held out, and him and Logan Mankins, pretty much the only two guys that ever really stood up to uh, Patriots front office and actually won. You know, I mean that rarely ever happens, and so I guess I could see why he was, I could see why he was upset and why he didn't want to have to take a pay cut or do an extension, which is really just sort of a pay cut in disguise. And and I got all that, but I mean you got to remember we're talking about one the fattest guy on the team and two a guy who just. <laughs> came back from a ruptured Achilles. And, I mean, you know, guys half his size don't come back from ruptured Achilles uh, in one year and are the same player that they were. And I don't know. I mean, to me, my memories of Vince last year before we got to that week four when he when he had the, you know, when he was done for good, he wasn't really impressing me all that much. And he might have been, <clears throat> might have been that he was already hurt. It might be that he's just getting older and losing his stuff. Well, whatever that case may be. Yeah, that's, I mean, whatever like- they I didn't mean to cut you off, but that, that's exactly what I was saying a couple of minutes ago before you came on is people are thinking they're getting the old Vince back, and, and I'm not too sure that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Vince thinks that they're getting the old Vince back. Like, obviously the Patriots didn't think that, and no one really that's looking at this objectively can. I mean, there, there's a chance that Vince could come back and be great, and if that happens, then I'll be the first to go on my show or call you guys back on your show or whatever and say I was wrong, Vince was right, and I'm admitting it publicly. But, I mean, really, like, you know, if you're a gambling man or if you're a business owner or if you're trying to assemble a team and work under the salary cap, knowing that Brady's window is only a couple of years now and you have to really kind of go for it, Keeping Vince for that much money, I mean, it was either this or cut him. And I think that all things considered, it all worked out pretty well. But I'll be honest, I'm really surprised by Vince's sort of incredulous reaction to this. Like, not very self-aware, you know? Yeah, exactly. Hey, what what do you think the impact is of Blunt signing now with Pittsburgh and where the pass will go uh, or do you think they're deep enough right now at running back without um, kind of moving that position up the ladder in needs? Well, I can't imagine that they're going to be using any draft picks on a uh, on a running back. You know, I mean, that's I heard you guys saying this before I came on, but that's really the old, uh, 
you know, the old thing, you never use you never use that for a running back. And in today's NFL, running backs are just not that important to anything. I think if we do, if we do, if we, like I'm on the team, if the Patriots do end up going after a, uh, a running back, I don't see it being in the draft. I think that was a couple of years ago, the Ridley Vereen draft really sort of took care of all that. I think what's more likely to happen is if they try and reinforce the running back position, if they do, uh, it's likely to be something like what LeGarrette Blunt was, maybe a you know guy who's disgruntled somewhere on a team that's going nowhere, and the team wants to wants the draft picks. Maybe they'll trade one out. Um, Patriots have two six rounders this year, I think. I mean, a six rounder could probably get you a decent running back. I don't know. I think they'll be okay with Ridley and uh, Vereen catching passes out of the backfield, but you know, it's it's not something I think they're going to put that much value on between now and you um, know week one. I wouldn't expect them to go high in the draft on the running back. I do expect them to pick a running back this year. And mm-hmm. I, unfortunately, Christian, happen to think running back is still extremely valuable. And I hope to change your mind. In fact, after the show, I'll tweet you over a link on my latest article showing just why the running game is still as important as ever. But going to the passing attack, the rumors out there about Deshaun Jackson, and when he was released and every single – Patriots fan that, that that follows our Twitter account and my personal Twitter account, you know, saying, oh, Bill, go out and get Deshaun Jackson. What is it about the guy? Because I don't see anything special. I, I, I really don't. Do you have any any thoughts on him? You don't think that Deshaun Jackson's special? No, he can run the ball fast. He can, he, can, he can run fast. I don't think he's very, very special. He's had, you know, one season where he's caught over 80 balls. That was last year. He does have 3,000-yard seasons on, on his record, but I, I still don't think he's that special. I think he's – I don't. I, I, I don't think – especially in the Patriots offense where it's timing routes and, it, and, it's, and it's, you know, auction routes and this and that, I, and you have to run your routes so disciplined. He is not that type of player in my eye. I, and I could be out to left field, but I think it's kind of like people look at it and go, they remember the punt return against the Giants – you know, uh, the younger generation that uh, that plays video games think, and go, oh, he's a 99 speed on Madden, we need him. Or the guys that use him for, uh, you know, fantasy football. I just don't feel that he would be that big of an upgrade on this team. Now, now prove me wrong. Well, a big of an upgrade on this Patriots team, I don't think that you can even even argue that he wouldn't be. I mean, aside from Julian Edelman, uh, who who wouldn't he be an upgrade over? Aaron Dobson, Kemberl Tompkins, Josh Boyce. I mean, there's nobody else in the team that I would even consider in Deshaun Jackson's in Deshaun Jackson's league or level of play, and that's including Brandon LaFell, who they just signed, and, and the rest of them. I mean, those guys are all okay, and some of them may end up going, you know, going on to have decent careers, but I don't know. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, I, I, I can see why people might think he's overrated, but I think as a receiver um, and a special teams player, he is very, very valuable. But honestly, I don't think the Patriots are going near him. Uh, no way. With the baggage he carries, would you sign him if you were the Patriots? Well, honestly, if it was me, I think that he's kind of getting railroaded in Philly, to be honest with you, with this whole gang affiliation thing. I don't know if you guys have read too much into that, but the guy who he was, you know, who he took the picture with, was acquitted of murder, and he may have been like a gang member or something. But, I mean, if we're not going to sign any players or trade for any players who have friends growing up that were in gangs, then the NFL would be a very different place. I think we can all agree <laughs> on that. And, you know, Deshaun Jackson and Chip Kelly don't get along. I think that's the bottom line, not to mention the fact the Eagles already have like three or four receivers on that team who play more of a Chip Kelly style of, of offense, which, like you said, is kind of like Belichick's. 
You know, guys like Riley Cooper and Macklin and Jason Avant and all of them, they get to their spot. They run disciplined routes, and, you know, they're not big-time deep threats like Jackson is, but I don't know. I feel like Jackson's the kind of guy who will probably get signed by some team like Oakland, which would be great for his gang ties, of course, if he has them. But, you know, I mean, it's something like that. I feel like that's probably where he's going to end up. Some team is going to kind of, like you said just now, be all in love with his 99 speed rating on Madden and go for him. I do think he is a very, very good receiver. Um, I mean, just three years in a row of, of thousand yards or almost thousand yards. Uh, last year, I mean, last year he was he was tremendous. 85. I mean, that was his most recent year. He tied for his you know career high in touchdowns. He had 82 catches, which is 20 more than he's ever had before in a season, and uh, 1,332 yards at the age of 27. I mean, this should be a valuable, valuable guy that lots of teams are going to want to go out and sign. Now, is he getting railroaded because of this gang thing? Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but he has Aaron Hernandez to thank for that, and that's none of our problems, so there you go. I don't think the Patriots are going to go anywhere near him, though, for just that reason. Aaron Hernandez, forget it. Well, and a lot of other teams, I'm certain, are doing the same thing. And, and you know, the story was actually leaked originally by the Eagles, and, hmm. and many people are, are saying, yeah, they did that to cover their butt. Because uh, they, you know, they're going to look foolish releasing him if he goes somewhere and has a great year. So they're they're kind of tagging him in. And yeah, I did read like you did all the different stories about the quote gang uh, associations. And you're 100 percent right. If every player in the NFL that was ever either a member of a gang or friends of someone that was in a gang, you'd probably eliminate about 70 percent of the NFL players. So you'd be <laughs> at least. A different league altogether. Uh, yeah. But it does. I mean, the, the fact is, the year after the Hernandez scenario, people are gun-shy. And it's not just the Patriots. Other teams are, are like, hang on if that's true. But you would think the other teams would, including the Patriots, would do their research and find out, you know, just how accurate these gang settings are. But I keep hearing Oakland, like you, and of all the places from the go, if he is involved in a gang that's the last team he needs to go to, or he's not going to be around real long. Yeah, I mean, and, and as far as his performance or whatever, I mean, we're talking about a three-time Pro Bowler, uh guy who's led the league in, you know, receiving yards, uh, top ten in receiving yards last year, you know, great, great, great special team kick returner. Um, not necessarily a guy that I think the Patriots are going to try and outbid another team for, um, because there you have a pretty good kick returner, and despite the fact that I think I disagree, I think he would be a major, major upgrade to that passing offense. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they sort of made a commitment with some of these draft picks last year. I think you kind of got to give them a chance to play it out. Then again, Aaron Dobson's what, like three weeks into uh, three weeks into his recovery from ankle surgery. I mean, there's there's still some question marks at the wide receiver position. I think on this team. Oh, well, the, the wide receivers they've got, you know. It, I'm of the opinion they literally gave up on Tompkins a little over halfway through the season. Um, mm. And and for some valid reasons that, that I've gone into in previous shows and won't hear. But I'm excited with Dobson, if healthy, that, that Dobson has the potential, and, you know, that's the key word, obviously, to be uh, an above-average wide receiver. But he hadn't done it yet. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a major, a major thing there. And I'm... I, I'm surprised that they waited so long for him to have his surgery. I don't know if he had to wait that long to do it or what, but it seemed like odd timing for that. You know, it was it was well after the season ended. But I, I don't know. I mean, Dobson, yeah, I'd like to see 
him have a good second year with wide receivers historically, it's usually the second year where you know that's usually the breakout year, you know. I mean, that's usually when you, you find out if you got, like, a star on your hands or just sort of a, I don't know, Brandon LaFell kind of player. <laughs> that's that's usually when the uh, when the breakout happens. So I'd love to see that for him. Uh, also interested in seeing uh, how the second year treats Josh Boyce. He yes. started making more contributions towards the end of last year. Uh, small guy, shifty guy. Could maybe, you know, fill in, take some snaps in the slot. Uh, that's an important role in any Patriots offense. I think we all know that. So I don't know. I don't know if he's being groomed for that or not, but I'd be interested in seeing how he uh, how he turns out this year too. Well, yeah, I actually really thought good. that he was. I actually thought that yeah, he was going to have a better season than uh, than Dobson. And boy, was I wrong there. But I, I see yeah. potential in him. Uh, so well, you know, was, on the other, go ahead, Bob. The, the thing with Blunt or with Blunt with uh, uh, shoot voice is he got hurt and wasn't able to do the training camp things, if you mm-hmm. remember. I want to say it was his foot uh, and the injury and never really had the opportunity to have the number of plays you need uh, going into the season. And he was behind the eight ball all year because I, I, like you, I thought he had the potential to really be very good. And I, I still think he has much more than, than Tompkins has. What, do, what is your opinion on Tompkins? Well, I don't know. Tompkins is tough. There is sometimes, like early in the preseason and even in, in some of his games, you know, everybody remembers that catch against the Saints uh, as time was running out. And I don't know, there was a lot of times where whenever they isolated him, showed a replay of a good play he made, he was really doing things like at the line to get to get open, just, you know, head fakes and, and, and quick jump fakes and stuff like that to get open. There really seemed like much more veteran type of moves than, than someone his his age, an undrafted rookie who was, you know, really kind of a no-name coming into the combine and everything else, uh, he showed that he was better than that, you know, and that he was he could contribute more. And I think Belichick picked up on that, and he did have a fine season. And who knows? I mean, he really disappeared. At times, guys like that sort of hit the wall. It's a whole different world, of course, in the NFL. And, you know, I don't know he wasn't necessarily – prepared for mentally or physically, and that's why maybe his production dropped off. Maybe it was an injury. It's hard to really say. Uh, I think that Tompkins is probably going to be one of the guys who's on a, you know, show us what you got kind of basis, and we'll see if he makes the team. I don't know. I think that'll probably be determined by what other moves this team makes uh, at that position. If he gets kind of priced out, then, yeah, maybe. But I think right now, you know, he'll sort of be on a, you know, wait-and-see kind of basis. Well, and you have the nail on the head. The rookie wall is something that, that many rookies run into, and that's about the time you suddenly saw him stop producing and sitting on the bench and actually not even dressing for a couple of games. Mm. The, one, the one thing I noticed with him is he jumps every time he catches a ball, even if he doesn't have to. And and that worries me because that's a hard habit to break. But But when you watch the video of him, and you're right. He made some spectacular catches, particularly that one in the end zone against New Orleans. But but he can be wide open, and and the ball's coming, and instead of catching it in stride, he has a bad habit of stopping and jumping. Or if he's in stride jumping, even if the ball is, doesn't need to be jumped for, instead of being able to keep the momentum, uh, catch the ball and continue downfield. That was the biggest thing I saw with him that worried me a little bit was the fact that he doesn't seem to want to or, or not want to, wrong word, uh, be trained to. And I don't I don't know how they can 
work on that, but that's one of the issues. Don't jump. Catch the ball. If you don't have to jump, catch the ball and run. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? All of those things you're saying, they're all valid criticisms, but these are things that happen over the course of a guy's career. It's bad habits. You know, the guy's an undrafted rookie. Obviously, he's not going to be, you know, Jerry Rice right away or even, you know, Sidney Rice. <laughs> I mean, you got to come out and, 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 and work on these things and sort of learn and, and move forward and, and, and get better. But that's the problem here with this Patriots team is that they sort of invested in these three rookie wideouts last year. And Tom Brady's only got, what, three years left, maybe four if we're all really lucky. And, you know, having these guys kind of come along in Brady's closing window seems kind of like an extreme gamble to me. And that's why when people bring up names like Deshaun Jackson and, you know, whoever else uh, in the wide receiving core, it makes everybody sort of stop and perk up. Like, same with the biggest offseason signing they've had this year, Darrell Revis. I mean, you know, if if Darrell Revis signed with some other team for an extreme amount of money, everyone would say, well, that's what the Patriots always do. But, you know, now that we're getting really into it and Brady's getting into his late 30s, you can't keep going by what the Patriots always do because this is a special circumstance. And I worry that the wide receiver core might not be coming along quite as fast as they need them to. And that's, that's you know, just all those things you said about Tompkins. You know, he doesn't stop and catch the ball. He doesn't look the ball in. He does. He makes his move before it's before the ball is secure. All those things. I mean, he dropped a ton of balls last year. I don't think it's going to keep happening. I think he'll get better. But how much time do we have to wait for him to get good enough that this team can go out and win another Super Bowl? You know. Well, exactly, Christian. And that kind of segues me when you said uh, Darrell Revis's name over to the secondary. And this will be my final question to you, um, okay. Deron Harmon, uh, second-year safety out of Rutgers. Stephen Gregory has been released. They haven't brought anyone in as a veteran free agent to to step up. Do you think that Deron Harmon has enough to take to to glue the rest of that secondary together? Love to say, that's definitively good. Or I honestly don't know. I didn't see enough of him last year to know if he could if he could really come out and 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 have a. And we've uh, we've actually lost uh, lost Christian here, and uh, I'd like to uh, thank Christian Arcan, of course, for um, from uh, ESPN New Hampshire. His cell phone just dropped out there. Twelve two three, the uh, Christian and King show on ESPN New Hampshire. Twelve fifty on my my dial. Bob, what did you think of uh, of Christian? Well, I mean, obviously he knows what he's talking about. A great guest, and you know, I'm certain your opinion lowered because he kind of dumped on the run. <laughs> but I, it, it was fun. That's, that's a fun. I enjoy the give and take we have with our guests, and you know, fortunately, we we had guests that know what they're talking about, and and we bring out uh, you know points that they can comment on, and and I really enjoyed him. I would love to have him back again sometime. Sorry, I know we had phone trouble at the beginning, and then at the very end, but in between, he said some really good stuff. Oh, exactly. That's the modern technology. Those smartphones, they'll just. Get you every single time, Bob. I have a call online that I that I'm going to screen. If you could just take it for one second, please. Sure. The the Wendell contract, uh, and he's got a roster bonus, uh, according to the reports, of twelve thousand five hundred dollars per game, which seems a little out of whack. And if you read Phil Phil Yates had a nice column and went through some of the breakouts and. He thinks it may have been a, a, a misprint on some of the information uh, 
on, on Wendell that makes it look like he's making more, and he's not sure, but he thinks the, the number is closer to what was projected he would get in free agency rather than, uh, you know, it, it, and I'm quoting him here, it could be that the NFL PA records list a roster bonus of $2 million inadvertently, as the figures probably should have been 200000 total, not $2 million. And we don't know that. He didn't know that for sure. But if so, then Wendell's contract would have a maximum value of $4.55 million over two years. Um, and as he stated, that's much closer to what the anticipated figure would have been in free agency rather than the number that's quoted. And if the number that is originally published, uh, and that is not the contract that has gone before the NFL, uh, and that, that was another point he made, is the contract that we're hearing about to this point with Wendell is, is not the NFL. It's the NFL Players Association records, and those are not the final records. So it's possible he may not have cost as much as it looks originally. Um, you've all heard my opinion before. I, I just am not a Wendell fan. I'm sorry. You, need uh, I, you know, the, the guy <laughs> has, has really not proven to me he's a center you want protecting Tom Brady towards the latter stages of his career because that's where the pressure bothers Brady the most is coming up the middle. Yeah, the way I looked at it, Bob, is you know a guy like Ryan Wendell, he's a backup center slash guard. He's a he's a good second center. He's a good you know third guard. That's that's all I see him as. He is beaten unbelievably amount of times him and Dan Connolly on defensive stunts. Play actions and the defense, they're running defensive stunts and they're sacking Tom Brady. That shouldn't be happening. I have nothing that I don't have any respect for, for uh, Ryan Wendell because I do. He's an undersized setter. He's, he's an effort player. He's done a fine job. But the question becomes, you know, we, we've seen this happen now, okay? You know, the Patriots gone out. They've spent the money on Del Rovarevis. They've spent the money on Brandon Browner. You know, they, they've gone out and... Uh, they brought back Julian Edelman. They brought in uh, Brandon LaFell, who Christian didn't seem to be um, a huge fan of, and, and and he hasn't put up huge numbers yet. But but they've done all this sort of stuff, and to me, they're leaving that interior line. And, and I got into a, a thing the other day with a guy and, that was saying, "Oh, well, you know, it'll, the Patriots will just be fine. They'll just they'll just sit there and they'll uh, they'll just glue things together. Well, why glue things together? Go out and get the best play you can." But uh, I just don't get it. Of course, Christian Akin, uh, who came on with us, was brought to you by the CLNS Radio uh, Patriots Blast. Excuse me, CLNS Radio uh, E-Blast. Uh, text 22828. Um, that's the W text to CLNS fans, 22828. And if you do that, you get a chance to win an 8.5 by 11 signed Julian Edelman photo that comes with a certificate of authenticity. I said it right this week. Again, that is CLS fans to two two eight two eight. And Christian Arcan was brought to you by the CLS Patriots uh, beat, and of course CLS e blast. So uh, Christian did a great job there. He did, and, and you did a great job saying that word. <laughs> I trip over I trip over some things that are a little uh, that I can't spell, and authenticity. I'm pretty sure I can't spell. <laughs> Well, I and, I, and I want to make sure I give credit where it's due, because I mentioned Field Yates, but I didn't mention, for those of you who don't know who Field Yates is, he's an ESPN insider. Uh, and if you follow him on Twitter, 
he puts out some really good notes on things that have happened in games or, or the inside information. So I, I do want to give credit where credit is due uh, on that breakout of the contract for Wendell. And it'll be it'll just be interesting to see what the final contract begins. Let me ask you a question, Jeff. As you look at this year's team, and I know I'm not going to ask you where you think they should go because you made it clear that that you're, you know, the lines are where you want to be, offensive and defensive line. But one of the things I'm noticing over the last couple of years is the rivalry, the, the Denver Patriots rivalry. Now, people are acting like that's been going on for years and years. It really hasn't. I mean, they've played each other a lot over the years, but it hasn't been a, quote, rivalry. Do you think it's now reached that stage where, kind of like it used to be the Pats and the Jets, uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox, uh, is is that now the Patriots' rivalry, the Denver connection? I think, that, and and I'll make this real quick, quick because we got Bob Sochi coming on right now. But um, I, I think it's more a a Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady rivalry. Of course, if you wanted to bring him to the team, it's Denver that ended uh, Tom Brady's ten and zero streak to start his career. But. Uh, that's where we'll go there. We'll talk a little more after that. Oh, we can talk about it with Bob Sochi. But joining us on the line right now is the play-by-play voice of the New England Patriots on 98.5, the Sports Hub. He has done a phenomenal job in his first year, in my opinion, taking over for uh, Gil Santos. Uh, Bob, how's it going today? Hey, guys. It's uh, it's going well. Thanks so much for your time and for having me on. And uh, thanks for the kind words. really appreciate it. It was a wonderful year, despite the ending oh. in Denver. Hey, how, let me ask you real quick, Bob. Filling yes. Gil Santos' shoes, that had to be tough. I mean, you're talking about a legend. How, walking in and doing that, was it a lot of pressure there, or how did you feel stepping into that role? Yeah, sure. You know, I, I, I probably put pressure on myself regardless, but there's no question following someone like Gil, and I still say to this day, I'm not filling his shoes. You know, those shoes uh, are, are too large for anyone to fill. And in my mind, uh, and I'm sure the, the minds of uh, most Patriot fans, if not uh, the vast majority, you know, Gil will always be the, the voice of football uh, in, in this region. But there was definitely some self-induced pressure. And, uh, you know, I think more than, than nervousness over following a legend, it was, it was a, a real desire uh, to want to continue the kind of legacy that Gil and Gino had developed. And fortunately, I had a partner who helped me tremendously uh, adjust to life in the NFL uh, and make it a lot easier for me to alleviate any of the nervousness that I felt in Scott Dolak. He, he really was a, a fun person to be around all football season and a great partner with whom to work uh, during the course of our broadcast. On and off the air, we had a great relationship, I think, this first year together. Hopefully that carried over into the broadcast. And I think that was really most important in, in trying to follow someone like Gil, because as I noted, it wasn't just Gil Santos, the voice of the Patriots, but, you know, even though Gino Capaletti had been retired uh, the previous year, it was still Gil and Gino. Those guys were inseparable, I think, on the radio for so long, and they really formed the perfect marriage on radio calling Patriots games. Oh, exactly. And I can only hope right now, Bob, is that when Tom Brady does end up putting his uh, putting his feet up on the couch on a Sunday and retiring, 
that the person that comes in, the quarterback that comes in and replaces him, can do just as fine a job as as you did in replacing Gil. I enjoyed your I enjoyed your uh, broadcast a lot this year, uh, especially you know hearing it stuff on the replay because of course I do watch a lot of it on TV, but listening to it afterwards uh, on replays and stuff, it, it was amazing. But getting into this coming year's team, what do you feel now? The Patriots have gone out and they've signed Darrell Revis, and of course they've signed Brandon Browner. Uh, bringing in Julian Edelman, the re the re-signing of or, or actually not re-signing, but the extension of Vince Wilfork. What do you think is the biggest area need right now for the New England Patriots? Well, I think you know you look at a couple of areas, in my opinion, and one is on uh, you know the defensive line or from that in that front seven, and, and that's a, a need for someone to help uh, exert more pressure on the quarterback. Uh, whether that's someone who comes through the draft, I think you want to look at position on that defensive line. Uh, perhaps uh, you know, uh, even Vince Wilfork's on the defensive interior. You know, as maybe you, you you go after a, a young player. I mean, the names that I've read all along in the mock drafts have been names like Hageman from Minnesota or Nix from Notre Dame. Uh, you know, to have the heir apparent there inside, but uh, there are certainly some intriguing guys who. I think the Patriots would have an interest in, uh, in in terms of helping Chandler Jones and Rob Ninkovich, uh, whether it's someone who's a situational pass rusher or, or someone who's employed, uh, you know, uh, really on, in the base defense as well as uh, the sub defense down the road, who can who can help apply pressure on the quarterback. Uh, and and again, it could come from you know the defensive line at, at defensive end. It could be someone who's more of an outside backer to complement the three guys that they really have in place. And I think put them in great shape in that position, and that's Mayo, uh, along with Collins, who was vastly improved last year. And I think Dante Hightower in the last few games of the regular season and uh, in the uh, Colts playoff game uh, really showed market improvement. So I, I like what the Patriots are there. You know, I, I would look for them uh, to uh, explore a, a tight end. I mean, that, that I think is, you know, the primary need on offense, in my opinion. It's to find a pass-catching tight end, someone who is either a complement to Rob Gronkowski, or can be a, 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 and I don't want to say a fill-in for Gronk because you know that's really an impossible standard to live up to. But uh, if Gronk isn't able to come back at, at season's outset, or down the road if Gronk isn't long for the Patriots based on his health concerns, yeah, I would think you would want to look at a tight end in the draft. And you know, again, defensive lineman, tight end, those are those are certainly positions that have been identified by a lot of different people uh, who projected what the Patriots are going to do in the draft. But as we all know, the Patriots are liable to surprise all of us because it's very difficult, <laughs> uh, if not impossible, to predict what they're going to do. But I, I look at those areas as concerns. I think with Blunt signing with Pittsburgh, you know, they will look to add depth at running back, get another back to the draft, especially because you've got three guys who will be up uh, next year uh, with some decisions to make regarding Ridley, Vereen, uh playing on the rookie contracts. I guess Bolden still, still will have uh, time left, but nonetheless with Ridley and Vereen, you know, they'll have to make decisions with each of those guys next year in terms of their future in their organization. So I would think that, you know, that's a position they'll look at closely either through the draft or, uh, you know, Perhaps even uh, if there's a you know, free agent that catches their eye after the process is over with the draft, uh, they may try to, to go that route. As they did last year, uh, you know, they brought in a kid like George Wynn, who was an undrafted player out of Cincinnati. He played fairly well in the preseason, but I would expect them to make more of an impact at that position this year. What do you think about, uh, and I'm reading and hearing more and more that the Pats are scouting him closely, CJ, and I'm going to try and pronounce his last name, Fedorowicz, I, I think I got it close here, from Iowa. Yeah. Uh, is what, what do you think of him? 
You know, I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched a lot of tape on a lot of these prospects. Fedorovich, I, I think is how it's pronounced, the tight end from Iowa. He certainly comes from a, a program coached by Kurt Ferentz that Bill Belichick is very familiar with. Uh, Ferentz, of course, worked with Belichick in Cleveland, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they remain close. And Iowa has done a really good job of, of I think, preparing players for the National Football League. And, uh, you know, you look at the, some of the guys that uh, – and have been around the league for a long time from that school, and, and, and you know they're very fundamentally sound. And uh, Fedorovich is a guy who I think, you know, based on what I have read, might not uh, be as gifted in some areas as say like a Jason Marl from Texas Tech or uh, Safarian Jenkins from Washington. Uh, but you know he, he's a very solid guy who, who might be more of a, a second or a third round pick uh, as opposed to a first round pick. But uh, yeah, I think that. That, that's a guy who's definitely on their radar based on everything that I've that I've read and looked into. Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, the Patriots as a whole, what they'll do, and, and I think I should also note offensive line because I, I really do believe Thank they you. have to show up the offensive line. You know, they've got Wendell back in the fold, but you still have some concerns with, with this team, I think, depth, and also looking, looking to the future. You know, you've got, you've got uh, a guy like Sebastian Vollmer who's had a lot of injury problems. You've got the uh, Nate Solder, who had concussion issues last year, and of course next year they have a big decision to make with him uh, regarding his contract. I think on the interior of the line, Dan Connolly is an expensive player right guard. You know, Wendell is signed for two years, max value of eight plus million reportedly. And, and then you have Logan Mankins, who, who makes a lot of money and is getting up there in years. And, you know, the one thing that I learned in my first year in the NFL is that you start the season with 53 men, and you're going to end it with a, a much different cast players on that 53-man roster because of the attrition rate and the number of injuries. And I really do believe, you know, along with the defensive line, uh, they've got to target the offensive line, too. Well, oh, I couldn't agree with you more. You hit what was probably the worst year in the history of the Patriots for attrition. You're going to have attrition. You're right, but normally you're not going to lose the quality of players the Patriots lost during the course of the season. I mean, those, the, these, these were their leaders, and uh, – attrition you certainly don't expect. First of all, I think everybody was thinking Gronk was going to come back at the beginning of the year. That didn't happen. Uh, and then you look at Mayo, Wilfork, uh, you know, the, the injuries just piled up. And the fact that they were able to finish with the record they did is just amazing considering the quality of players they lost, not just the injuries, but who they were to. I couldn't agree more. I think you're right. It's not only quantity, but it's quality. And you look at the defense, there was a, a, a stretch where I think six defensive starters were out. And as we know, for much of the season, uh, the spine of that defense, from your two defensive tackles to the middle of your linebacking core, uh, the guy that really organizes your defense in Gerard Mayo, uh, all absent from action on that side of the ball. You had to leave play through injury problems and, of course, also sat out a brief period of time for the past, you have Gregory, who was starting safety, who was out uh, for a short period of time with a thumb injury. He had any number of other guys who were banged up. Brandon Spikes played through a lot of pain in his knee before he was eventually placed on IR. And then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you, you look at uh, the situation at tight end and Gronk, and, and Sebastian Vollmer goes down. There's a period late in the year in Baltimore where they've got to go without Nate Silder. Uh, and running back Ridley missed a game early in the season because of a knee issue. Uh, so it's not only the guys that ended up on injured reserve, but uh, it's also those guys that were banged up and, and uh, far from full effectiveness at one point or another during the course of the season. And I think it's what speaks to how successful.
successful last year was overall when you look at the coaching job from Bill Belichick and his staff. Um, the challenges offensively with the young receivers, but also, as we've noted, the injury issues. And the challenges defensively to go from really what was a, a very strong unit, uh, maybe the best for the Patriots in, in, in considerable time, at least in the last four or five years, I think, the way that defense played the first three-plus games of the season. Uh, and then, you know, you're, 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 you're bringing on guys uh, through free agency like Joe Milano, undrafted, or uh, him like Chris Jones has been cut from two other teams in, in preseason, and, and those guys are, are eventually uh, forced to make an impact in some way, and, and, and they did. And that speaks again to how successful uh, the Patriots uh, coached the players last year, but also how the players really rose to the occasion when needed. Well, Bob, you brought up the offensive line, and uh, it's one of yeah. the things that I think is probably the most important thing on a team. In each of the losses the Patriots have suffered in the playoffs since Super Bowl 42, it's the interior of the offensive line, in my opinion, watching a lot of uh, game film, and that, that that has let the team down as much as it, it can. We saw it last year on a key fourth and two play where Logan Mankins got absolutely eaten up by uh, Knighton out of, out of Denver. We've seen the NASCAR package in both Super Bowl 46 and Super Bowl 42 absolutely kill the Patriots. Now, with Dante Skarniecki retiring, when are the Patriots actually going to put an onus on actually getting a big-bodied center or a big-bodied right guard in there to help with these issues? Well, you, may, you raised some really interesting points, and I think uh, you know, it's definitely a more than valid observation about the interior of the line failing them uh, in, in key instances. And I go back even earlier in the year, uh, the loss of Cincinnati, the tone setter there. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you're talking about a very good defensive unit in, in the Bengals and Gally Gino Atkins, but there was interior pressure in that game, and, and, and also the Miami Dolphins win at home in Foxborough. Gally Jared Odrick gets to the quarterback a couple of times. And I, I think that, you know, Ryan Wendell uh, certainly didn't play as well in 2013 as he did in 2012, and, and so that was a position that I know a number of observers thought the Patriots might address differently this offseason. Uh, there were uh, some players moving at the center position, but uh, they they went with Ryan. And uh, he's a he's a very smart guy. He certainly knows the system very well. Um, you know, again, I, I think you go back to the work of Dante Scarnacchi and, and and the body of work over 30 years. And you know, he he re, he retires as one of the the legendary coaches in his profession among his peers. I know somebody who's been a longtime NFL executive and, and helped put together Super Bowl champion told me recently that he's one of the greatest offensive line coaches who've ever uh, coached in the NFL. So it, it's kind of interesting now to see what they do, not only from a personnel standpoint, but how much the scheme changes, if at all, with uh, Dave DiGiulielmo coming in. Uh, he's a guy that uh, certainly has established himself in the NFL, but we know what Dante Scarnecchia did for so long, and it's a tough act to follow, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see what they do. As, as mentioned, if they go through the draft and, and, and get some offensive linemen, you know, there's some thought, too, that they can move Marcus Cannon into guard. Um, that's certainly a big body on the interior. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out, I guess, in a month or so what, uh, what route they take. Jeff, real quick question, and it's a lot, actually, for Jeff. Jeff is convinced the running game is the most, you know, key to winning. You know, he's written this great article that if you run the ball 30 times, you're gonna, the odds of winning the game are higher. Do you think the running game is unvalued or undervalued in football right now? 
I, I think you know. I think it's easy to say it's a quarterback's league, and you got to pass to you know to win, and, and that seems to be the prevailing thought. And sometimes rushing statistics are a bit misleading. Um, you know, often the high number of carries associated with, with, with victory is because you have the lead and you're, you're working the clock uh, as much as anything late in the game, and so those carries pile up. But I do believe that, that it's an important indicator uh, for, for a variety of reasons, and I do think you have to be able to run the ball and be physical. And I think what we saw from the Patriots last year, late in the year, was a team with a with a, kind of a, a, a contagious, a infectious physicality, uh, really, that was uh, fueled by the running game on offense, I really believe. And I think, you know, you get in, in the full leather games, playoff games, uh, conditions that are far uh, less ideal than you experience in September and October, and I think it's imperative. Uh, you know, I look at, for example, last year's game with Denver in the AFC Championship, and I know a lot of people say, well, the Broncos stopped the run dead in its tracks. But I really believe that the Patriots never got into an opportunity where they could truly establish the running game. And that was a huge difference in my mind. You know, the first two possessions, they're sitting at second and five and second and four, and they don't pick up a first down. And to me, you know, maybe early in that game, if they get a couple of first downs with the same drive, then they can get into a rhythm, and all of a sudden you're able to establish something through the running game. But it's very hard to do when, you know, you go three and out, and you run the ball once on each of those series, and then with the limited number of possessions as it turned out because the defense after the first quarter really couldn't stop the Broncos, well, then you really had to abandon the running game because then you start chasing points, you get down by a couple of scores. And you know, I, I do think that the Broncos, to their credit, did a great job in the limited opportunities stopping with Garrett Blunt. But I think the way that game evolved really was was as uh, you know, big a factor in, in containing the Patriots' running game. I, know, I just felt that they never really got a chance to establish the running attack, and I think that, that was instrumental if they were going to have success in that game. They had to be able to run the ball. But I, I, I do believe in it. I do understand, too, that you, know, you don't need an Adrian Peterson to have a good running attack. I, I see where the Patriots' point of view is on a guy like LeGarrette Blunt. I don't think you overpay for a guy like that. I mean, they got a great season out of him last year, especially the last quarter of the season. But in my opinion... You know, they've got a, a talented back in Stephen Ridley. You know, obviously it's a matter of holding onto the ball. And we saw Tiki Barber late in his career correct his crumbling problems. You know, but I get it. If they have some depth to the draft or go out and get a free agent, you know, I, I think you can find a lot of running backs out there that uh, may not be, you know, the top one or two in the draft class or may not be, you know, the Adrian Peterson kind of caliber back. I mean, who is, right? But I still think you can, you know, get effective – uh, production out of out of that position from uh, you know from guys that are a bit off the radar right now. Well, Bob, thank you very much for joining us here on Patriots Beat. Of course, we love hearing you on on the radio calling our favorite team in the New England Patriots. And we hope to have you back again sometime shortly. Hey guys, thanks so much for your time, and uh, you know I, I really appreciate and value your opinions as well. You guys have followed this time, so you know whatever I may say. You know, I, I, I say it uh, uh, with a grain of salt, uh, even, even uh, you know, as I say it, uh, the way it should be received, because it's just one man's opinion, and, you know, it's, it's always evolving, it's always changing, but I do really appreciate, uh, you know, the insights that so many people like yourselves 
uh, bring to, to the Patriots because you guys know the game and you know the organization and uh, do appreciate uh, you know your your allegiance to the team and uh, our broadcast as well. So thanks so much. Thank, Thank you, Bob. You. All right, guys, my pleasure. That was uh, Bob Sochi, of course, play-by-play voice of the New England Patriots. And Bob Sochi today was brought, brought to you by the CLNS Radio Celtics beat. You uh, definitely got to check these guys out. Uh, they are an excellent, excellent podcast. Um, they've had some great guests. Uh, yesterday's guest with uh, uh, Larry and, uh, of course, good friend Ty Ray uh, with Chris Mannix was, was excellent. Of course, a couple weeks ago they had uh, – Brett Albach's daughter, Larry on, uh, Larry on, Larry, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking Larry Bird, but, uh, excuse me, uh, Brett Albach's, uh, Brett Albach's daughter on the other night, um, and, and her name is Randy, she had some uh, choice things to say about Phil Jackson, so definitely check them out, of course, best way to check them out after is, of course, on clnsradio.com, you can also find us on iTunes by searching CLNS Radio, and then, of course, uh, on the Stitcher app, check out CLS Radio, and you can look at Page Speed, Celtics Beat, all the great shows we have on there. And remember to give us a rating, give us a like on Facebook, because that is how this station grows. It's a wonderful thing. Bob, I'll let you have the final word today. Well, first of all, I want to thank our guest. Uh, couldn't have had two better back-to-back guests that, that give you the insider knowledge uh, from their viewpoint uh, a very modest Bob, by the way. He was uh, he was he was very humbled at the end, and I'm thinking, hang on, guy, you probably know much more than we will ever know since you're really inside. But I, I enjoyed the show. It's another great Sunday, and I'm certain next Sunday we'll be struggling for topics until about Wednesday, and then <laughs> something with the fan, and the draft is right around the corner. So I'm looking forward to this year's Patriots team. You know, exactly. I'd like to just give a final shout-out. We are in overtime right now, so people that are listening to us after after the show has aired, which, of course, airs every Sunday at 1 p.m. with myself, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy, and Bob Snowden, at Snowden Bob. So you're all catching us right now on a on the replay. Of course, you can, as I said, get us on iTunes. That's the way to go. That's how I do it. I put it on the iPhone. We go from there. I'd like to give a big shout-out to uh, the boys down at uh, at uh, Boston Sports Blogger Palooza, which is something that I did yesterday. Great, great um, event that put on by some great people at the Harp Restaurant. Uh, I got to sit down and actually meet with a lot of our people that we interact with daily on Twitter, uh, people that we read, people that have come on our show, like uh, Steve Belisari and uh, Russ Goldman from uh, PatsFans.com, who run that great uh, podcast uh uh, Patriots 4th and 2, and, and some other guys we, I dealt with, uh, Eric Friends, of course, from Boston.com, uh, and, and a bunch of other guys. Uh, there's just too many to um, to list, but getting a name with a face, talking, talking Patriots, talking Red Sox, talking Bruins, talking Celtics, talking anything, and it was just a great thing. So, uh, you know, big things coming here on CLNSRadio.com. Follow us at CLNSRadio, at Patriots Beat. At Boston Fat Guy for myself, and if you really want to get some knowledge, follow at Snowden Bob, because Bob, you write a heck of a lot better than I ever thought of writing. you got some great <laughs> columns up there. I appreciate that. Thank you, partner. All right. Well, until next day. week. Have a great birthday tomorrow. Uh, you have a great birthday yesterday, sir. <laughs> so until next week, this is Jeff Kane for Bob Snowden on Patriots Beat. We'll catch you on the flip side next Sunday, 1 p.m. Have a great week, everyone.
for Internet Sports Talk Radio, DLNS Radio.